Welcome to a brand new series called It's Okay Not to Be Okay. This is a five-week mental health series dealing with topics of stress and burnout, loneliness, depression and worry, um, anxiety, self-harm, and suicide. So what's the basis of this whole series? Why are we doing this? Well, the Japanese have an art form called kintsugi. And there'll be a picture up in just a moment. And it's a... um, When a bowl or a cup or a piece of pottery is broken, falls off your counter, whatever, what do we tend to do? We we tend to just throw it away. Well, what the Japanese do is a group of artists have decided that when something breaks, they glue it back together with gold in the glue. And they make it a piece of art. And in doing so, they make it more valuable and more beautiful than what it was before it was broken. And it sells for a lot more money. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians is his most self-disclosive letter in the entire New Testament. Paul reveals more about what he thinks about himself and about what he went through in life more than any other letter. He just kind of cracks open his heart to the Corinthians in his second letter and says, this is who I am. You may think I'm here, but let me tell you how I really feel about myself and what I've really gone through. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, he says... We have this treasure, and he's talking about the treasure of Christ. He's talking about how this God of creation is wanting to create new life inside of us, and he's doing that through Jesus' death on the cross that provides payment for our sin, offering forgiveness, healing, cleansing, and his resurrection, which gives us new life in Christ, And he says, we have all of that in these earthen vessels, ordinary pots, broken and flawed pots. So you've heard the phrase crackpot. That's where it comes from. The Apostle Paul says, we have this beautiful gospel message that God entrusts to us and he puts with inside of us, but... We are so ordinary, so worn, sometimes cracked. And God's light shines through the cracks. And God entrusts us with this message. Now, here's, here's the message itself. It's okay not to be okay on your way to getting okay. Because after every death, there's a resurrection. 
And this series is about taking the fragmented and broken pieces of your life and mine and allowing God to glue them back together with gold. Listen to this. So that you become more valuable and more useful to God than what you were before you were broken. You know what we have a tendency to do? When something's broken in our lives, we do this. We hide it because we're ashamed of it. Oh, 10 years ago, Pastor, I went through this time and I, I, I made choices and I never thought I'd make these choices. I did this. I fell off the wagon and I went back to drinking after. And, and we have all these things that we're ashamed of. You know what God says? Come on, come on, come on. Give them to me. I'll put you back together and I'll make something very beautiful of it so that as you're becoming okay, people will say, what's that light shining through them? Oh, they're more beautiful than what they've ever been. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. I'm going to ask you to engage every single week. I'm asking you to come to church every single week. I know it's hard, but try to come to church every week. If you're on vacation, if you're on a business trip, wherever you're at, just tune in every single week. We've made all of the technology available for you to engage every week. Go to our resource page on the app. We have a list of resources. So if you pull out your phone right now, you can go to you know, Church Center. Hopefully you're all part of Church Center. You've downloaded our app. You can click on there. It's okay not to be okay. All you got to do is click on it's okay not to be okay. And a list of resources will come down. We have small groups that are meeting on Sundays. We have small groups that are meeting throughout the week. We're asking you to engage in those small groups. We have lists of counselors. We have lists of books and other resources for you. And every single week, we're going to update those resources so that you can engage in books, videos, podcasts, whatever. Today, I want to talk to you about how to overcome stress and burnout. You ever been stressed? This morning, God has a sense of humor. This morning, Jungmo and I are standing at the new printer that we got in the office that looks like an MRI machine. It's like you could feed your body in one end, it goes to the other. It's very beautiful, very complex, and we're just standing there. It's jammed. Do you know what to do? I don't know what to do. Do you know what to do? I don't know, we just got it. We're opening up every single thing that's possibly can be open, and we're on our knees. No, turn that right there, right? It's 8.55. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, thanks, God. What are you going to do if you can't get it to print? Well, we'll print it to another printer. Do you have that printer on your computer? No, send it to me. I'll print it. Okay. That's how my morning started. God has a sense of humor. I'm not just talking about everyday stress, though. I'm talking about big-time stress. God has a word for you today. Would you stand, please? Matthew chapter 11, this is the go-to place in the Bible with regard to overcoming stress and burnout. Verse 28. 
Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Now, why should we lean into that? Why should we lean into these words? Here's why. Verse 27. My father has entrusted everything to me. Jesus is the one person in your life that you can go to that can really offer you serious help when it comes to stress and burnout. Let's bow our heads together. Holy Spirit, over these next few moments, would you speak very clearly, very personally to each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I made up a little acrostic using the word stress. S-T-R-E-S-S. Let's begin. How do you handle times when you're stressed and burned out? S, seek Jesus' guidance. Come to me. So when you're stressed... Where, where do you go? Some people go to the refrigerator. Some people go to the gym. Some people go to a therapist. Some people go to a bar. Jesus says, come to me. Now, how does that actually happen? When we say, come to Jesus, what do we actually mean by that? On this side of heaven... One day, Jesus will return. But until he returns, and we see Jesus face to face, on this side of heaven, this is what it means to come to Jesus. It means to ask the Holy Spirit for help. The only God you have access to on this side of heaven is the Holy Spirit. Where's the Father? He's in heaven. Where's Jesus? He's in heaven. One day, Jesus will come down, and we will see him. We call that the second coming of Christ. But on this side, at this moment, the only God we have access to is God the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said in John's Gospel, chapter 14, that it was necessary for him to go away because if he didn't go away, then the Holy Spirit couldn't come. And what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is our counselor, he's our comforter, he's our advocate. And listen to this, Jesus says that the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of the things that I have said. Jesus said that. And listen, and the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. I don't know how to manage your stress. I'm working on my stress. But I can tell you what I do. I regularly go to the Holy Spirit. And I say, Holy Spirit, you got to help me here. You know my personal makeup. You know my family history. You know what I do every day. You know the stresses that I have. Will you teach me? Taylor, make something for me to help me handle stress and burnout. Does that make sense to you? So we ought to be leaning into the Holy Spirit and just simply saying, Holy Spirit, guide me today. Holy Spirit, help me to, ta to tackle these things that I'm facing. Help me to deal with whatever I'm dealing with. S. 
T, take Jesus' yoke. Take my yoke upon you. So Jesus is using a metaphor that everybody would have understand in, this, in his day, which was an agricultural day. And so if you wanted to, if you were a farmer and you wanted to plow a field, you'd always have like two oxen, right? And you would put a yoke around each of the oxen. And listen to this. You would get a carpenter who would make a house call that would come out to look at your ox and this carpenter would look at the neck of the ox and he would shape a yoke personally made for your oxen. And so he would keep working with it because if he didn't do that, what would happen is, is that the wood, you know what a, what, what, what a yoke is, right? The, the wood would chafe against the ox necks and it would just create irritation and get all bloody and all messy. And this ox wouldn't do the kind of work that the ox was made to do. So what Jesus is saying is, let me fashion a yoke that is perfectly made for you, because I get you. I get your personality. I get your family history. I get your gifts, talents, and abilities. I get you. Let me create a yoke for you that is well-fitting for you. And listen to this. I'll get in on the other side of the yoke, and we'll do it together. We're supposed to ask this question from these verses. Who were you yoked up with? You know what I've come to discover? A lot of people don't have anybody in the yoke next to them. They're just trying to do it all themselves. And you can't plow a field with a double yoke with one ox. Because what's going to happen is the other part of the yoke is going to drag and you won't get anything done. Some people are yoked with the wrong people. They got somebody on the other side of the yoke they're not supposed to have. And those people are pulling you all kinds of directions and they're taking you places where you know in your heart you shouldn't be going. But you go there to keep peace. Some people are yoked with other people and they're just going too fast. I mean, they're plowing this field. I'm done. But you've got this strain and hurt around your neck because you've been moving too fast. You know what Jesus says? If you'll yoke up with me, if we'll learn to go together, if you'll, if you'll pace yourself according to my pace, if you'll go the direction that I want you to go, Right? If you got two ox, one of them has to lead and the other has to follow. So if you'll follow Jesus, he will tailor make a yoke for you and he will lead you in your everyday life and you won't have nearly the amount of stress that you would possibly have if you were with, yoked up with somebody else or doing it on your, your life alone if you'll just yoke up with Jesus. Three, respond with an open heart and do what Jesus tells you. Let me teach you. You know, it doesn't come natural to live a stress-free life. We have to learn it. If you look at Jesus' life, you could boil down his life to four rhythms. And here they are. Jesus regularly practiced silence and solitude. 
If you're like me, you're almost always connected to my phone, your phone. I have my phone sitting right there. I'm waiting for my grandson to sink a battleship. <laughs> Some of you are like, I have no idea the context of that. You'll have to go back to a previous sermon. My grandson Paxton, we play sea battle, right? Online game. I don't know what he's doing on a Sunday morning, but he's always sending me these things. I'm like, shouldn't you be in church? You know what I mean? But I'm on the front row and he, he sinks my battleship. You know? A survey from Microsoft a couple years ago found that 77% of young adults answered yes when asked this question. When nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. I do that. You know, if you're standing in line in a store, everybody just goes, you just look at your phone. You're at a traffic light. You have to beep. Hey, hey, life's changed. Stop looking at your phone, right? Compare that with Jesus. The first thing that Jesus did after he was baptized by John, which was the initiation into his public ministry, right? Jesus didn't have any public ministry until he was baptized by John. That was the start. Jesus is out there. The first thing that Jesus did after he was baptized by John was what? Go to the wilderness. He spent 40 days in the wilderness, became weakened in his humanity, and was tempted by the devil. But listen to this. Listen. For Jesus, the desert wasn't about weakness. It was about strength. Because throughout the course of Jesus' ministry, Jesus was constantly getting away. The disciples are like, man, you're gaining in popularity, Jesus. Let's go to another town. And Jesus is like, no, you guys go ahead. I'm going up to the mountains and I'm going to go ahead and pray. The source of Jesus' strength was his relationship with his father. And how did he get that? By regularly stepping into silence and solitude. So he could hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to him. So do you have a regular time where you just step away and you unplug and you listen? Two questions that you should always ask yourself. The first is, what is my soul saying to me? What is my soul saying to me? You could be amazed at what you're saying to yourself when you really listen. What is my soul saying to me? The second question is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me? You know, sometimes we're waiting for some big word from God. We're waiting for there to be a message in which God just, like, like sitting here right now, like God is like, boom, this is for you. You know what I've discovered? Those times do come. But for me, like 98% of the time, it's the quiet little voice in my head that if I was quiet enough, I'd know what to do. I just have to listen enough to hear it. Practicing silence and solitude. Number two, rhythm of Jesus, was practicing Sabbath. Hey, any, any Hebrew scholars here? Anybody know what the word Sabbath means? To stop. Shabbat. To stop. Sabbath is all about Stopping. 
So here's what I think today ought to look like for you and me. We're worshiping together, greet one another, go to small group if you want, leave here today, enjoy a nice meal. If it's not raining outside, go for a walk, take a nap on the couch, and watch the game at 4.30. That's Sabbath. Sabbath is doing nothing well. We struggle with Sabbath. Jesus didn't. Third rhythm of Jesus, simplicity. Just saying no to more stuff. Next week, I'm going to talk about anxiety and worry, and I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, right? Practice simplicity. What I've discovered in life is that your 20s and 30s are all about accumulating more. Your 40s are about enjoying it. Your 50s, 60s, and 70s are about getting rid of all the stuff you accumulated in your 20s and 30s. Right? How many of you wake up in your 50s and you're like, man, I don't need all this stuff. I'm downsizing. The last is, the rhythm of Jesus was walk slow. So Dallas Willard was one of the greatest Christian thinkers and writers of the 20th century. If you don't know who Dallas Willard is, look him up. You can do it right now if you want to. Just look up, say Dallas Willard, and just get one of his books. He's tremendous. He was a philosopher. He taught philosophy at the University of Southern California for like 40 years. Somebody once asked Dallas Willard this question. Describe Jesus in one word. Willard said, relaxed. That was how he described Jesus. Relaxed. The weight of humanity rested on Jesus. Thousands of people would come to hear him preach. Thousands of people would come, can you heal my, can can you heal this? And yet Jesus still had time to go to parties and go fishing. Which means that Jesus was less stressed than you and I. We simply must slow down if we want to be like Jesus. E, expect Jesus to comfort and calm you. Why? For I am humble and gentle at heart. I think we should live with a sense of anticipation that God's going to do something in our lives. I heard a phrase years ago, has your expector expired? You know, there are some people that just go through life and they just don't expect God to do anything for them. I I think we should expect God to do things for us all the time. One of my favorite go-to verses is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly before the throne of our gracious God, There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Jesus gets you. And we ought to come boldly before the throne of our gracious God and say, help! And we should expect him to answer. S, stand on the promises. You will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give is light. You know, Jesus made lots of promises in the Bible. In fact, you could just Google search it and say, how many promises did Jesus make? I did this this week. One of the websites is, it gives all the I wills of Jesus. I will do this and I will do that. I think you should memorize some of those. Here's just a couple. Anyone who comes to me, Jesus said, will never thirst or be hungry again. That's the promise of satisfaction. Here's the promise of security. I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the spirit of truth, and he will be in you. Here's the promise of usefulness. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. But there's no greater promise than this promise that we're looking at this morning, that Jesus promises to give rest for our souls. But Jesus, listen now, Jesus isn't going to chase you down and wrestle you down and hand you rest. You're going to have to turn and slow down and say, can you give it to me? S, solicit the support of other people to pray and to help you. So you know how you see these videos on TikTok and the reels on Facebook? I, I, I look at those all the time because I think that there's some funny things that show up. So I found this this week that I thought was unbelievable. This is a barn, and these are several hundred Amish who have picked it up. Do you find that unbelievable? Look at them. I don't know where they're taking it. <laughs> You know, I'm halfway in the video thinking, where are they putting it? You know, are they going to put it on a truck or what? I don't know. That's amazing to me. Okay, listen. When the Apostle Paul was in prison, when he was going through a really hard time, you know what he said to the church in Ephesus? And pray for me too. And ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. You know, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus ask of his disciples? Three, Peter, James, and John. He said, come with me and stand with me and pray with me. And then Jesus went a little bit further and prayed on his own. So, so you picture Jesus, he, he's kneeling there and he's praying. And the, the, the other nine disciples, they're like way over there someplace, but you've got Peter, James, and John. They're close enough to hear Jesus they're close enough to see Jesus. And what Jesus was really asking in that very human moment is, I need to phone a friend. You need other people. That's what we're going to do in just a moment. Every week in this series, we're going to have some people up front that will just be there to pray if you want to come forward.
So if you want to come forward in just a few moments and just say, hey, you know, um, could, could you pray for me in this area, that area of my life? They'll be happy to pray. They have anointing oil. So in our church, right, we, we take what the, the um, letter of James says, that if anyone's sick among you, he should call the elders of the church together, and they should pray over that person, anoint that person, and the prayer offered in the faith will make the sick person well. So if, if you're sick today, if your heart's sick today, and you want somebody to pray over you and anoint you with oil, all they'll do is they'll take a little bit of oil and they'll just make a cross on your forehead and they'll just pray over you. I'm going to talk in a few weeks on loneliness. Now, there's a lot of upsides on loneliness. I'm going to touch on those. But increasingly, we are becoming separated from one another. And there's a whole bunch of lonely people that fill the church. God has a solution for that, and that's community. It's you and me. Cracked pots as we are, coming together, allowing God to glue us back together with gold, and we love each other. There are some burdens you're meant to bear on your own. There are some burdens you were never meant to bear on your own. You need to have other people help carry them. Okay, I want to say one more thing before we go into a prayer time. And I'm going to take a hard right in this message. Because I've been talking about, this entire message so far has been about how to handle stress and burnout, whatever that means to you. You know, emotional, physical stress, psychological stress, whatever. Actually, these words of Jesus were not directed to people with emotional and physical stress. They were actually directed to people who were spiritually burned out. And there's a difference. So up on the screen is Eugene Peterson's translation of Matthew chapter 11. It says this, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that phrase. Unforced rhythms of grace. Satan drives. The Spirit leads. If you feel driven today, that is not from the Holy Spirit. That's something else going on inside of you. I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know what the biggest problem that Jesus, in Jesus' day, the biggest problem that the regular Jewish person would face was that Judaism had become encrusted in institutionalism. And people, good people, that just wanted to connect with God had to jump through so many hoops. Well, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to obey this law, and you got to obey that law. And it wore people out so that the regular, average Jewish person was exhausted and spiritually burned out. And they were just going through the motions and on autopilot. And that's why when Jesus came and he started preaching, he was so popular because what he was doing is he was trying to reconnect people with God and trying to push religion aside. 
Now, how does that affect us today? So there's this sociological study that's been done over the last 10, 20 years about people called DUNS. D-O-N-E-S. DUNS. People who have left the church because of spiritual burnout. They're tired of institutionalism. They're tired of the red tape. They're tired of the politics. They're tired of pastors and church leaders that run the church like their own little kingdoms and they have their own little rules they're tired of judgmentalism they're tired of legalism and you wouldn't believe the conversations that i had with people who are coming and going over the course of these last years at our church so many people have come to our church because they've been burned out by religion and hurt by other christian leaders in other churches You know what Jesus is saying? I have a remedy for that. And that remedy isn't leaving the church. Because, listen to this, as dysfunctional as Jesus saw the religion of his day, Jesus still engaged in the synagogue, in Judaism. He never walked away. The solution to spiritual burnout is a reconnection with Jesus, first and foremost. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you really sensed the presence of Jesus? For some of you, it's never, to be honest. For some of you, it's been months or years. The solution to stress and burnout is actually falling in love with Jesus and hearing his voice. And when you hear God's voice, when you sense God's spirit moving inside of you, it doesn't matter what you're going through in life, you know you can handle it because you know Jesus is with you. So for those of you who may feel a sense of spiritual burnout, reconnect with Jesus. Humbly ask, Jesus, it's been a long time since I felt your presence. I'm so wrapped up in doing church, I've just forgotten what church is about. I'm so wrapped up in liturgy. I'm so wrapped up in catechism. I'm so wrapped up in doctrine. I know all the right things. Yeah, but where's your heart? When was the last time you heard Jesus' voice in your own heart? So that's what these next few moments are about. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And I'm going to ask you to do, you know, one of two things. One is if... If you've been asked to anoint people, just come forward at this time or or pray over people. Just come forward at this time. If you want to have somebody pray with you, pray for you, then just come forward and somebody will, will do that. If you want to come to the altar and just spend some time praying, nobody's going to bother you. You just come forward. We're just going to spend the next few moments just hanging out. But if you're spiritually burned out, I'm going to ask you to talk to Jesus about that. 
There's no shame in being spiritually burned out. It is a shame to not do anything about it. Does that make sense? I don't know if Jesus is going to speak to you in a profound way today or not. I have no idea. His plan for you is unique and personal. But I know this. Jesus honors when we take the first step and anticipate and say, I'm here. Whatever you want to say, whenever you want to say it, I just want you to know, Jesus, I'm here and I need to be refreshed in my own spirit. So I'm going to pray, and after that, the worship team is going to come, and while they're singing, what is my soul saying to me, and what is God saying to me through his Holy Spirit? And just respond. That's the first step. Jesus, you have promised us rest for your soul, for our souls, and you have promised us that if we would be willing to yoke up with you, that our burden would be light and well-fitting. And that sure sounds like an appealing message in our culture right now. So Holy Spirit, you're the teacher of all things. You remind us of the words of Jesus. So in these next few moments, would you speak to us individually about what we could do, even if it's just the first step, of what we could do to reconnect with you in a powerful way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.